weeks in our life. I lost a stepbrother on Christmas Eve, and now my stepdad, we on Thursday, Friday morning maybe, had a, had a stroke um, as a result of a heart issue. They're not calling it a heart attack, but... Um, and then yesterday evening I tried to sit down and enjoy the Cowboys winning a ball game. I used to be a Tom Landry and Roger Stallback fan and got a phone call from my daughter last night and her grandfather passed away very unexpectedly. Um, uh, and in all of that, I just had this conversation with Bill Cliver and Johnny Smith yesterday. Uh, we called to check on Teresa and Bill and Johnny, and I told my son um, I was sorry. His his grandfather was a very personal friend of mine. Um, I still have a riding lawnmower that um, before they moved to Tennessee, he, he I got from him in a pickup truck and he always just kind of treated me like his son. And I told Chad, I said, uh, I'm sorry, uh, he'll be missed. And he sent me back a text that said, I'm happy and glad he's now where he wants to be. In an odd sort of way. And that's all he said. <laughs> and I had to respond back the words I had told Bill. And Johnny yesterday, I get angry when my loved ones um, pass away. And, and, and I don't know, I told Bill, I said, I don't know that anger is the right word. Maybe I'm jealous. Because if we believe what we say we believe, other, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not being cold or harsh. Mm -mm. But we ought to be happy other than the mourning and grieving of the loss. We ought to be happy because the fact of the matter is they just beat us home. And that aggravates a fire out of me, you know. So, um, yeah, there's been a, a lot of loss and, and, and you know. But, <laughs> man, oh, man, I, I'd love to. Teresa to know what Norman's talking to Nellie about right now. Wow. I, uh, if I'm boring you, I'm sorry. I had the opportunity yesterday. Um, my stepdad, um, I'd spent three or four days with him recently, taking him, to, he'd lost one part of his lower plate, his teeth, and uh, it broke his glasses, and he's been going through just a horrible time uh, dimension. And I'd spent a lot of time with him, and 
unsaved and talked to him. I said, you ever attend church or make a profession when you was a kid? No. He said, we had to stay and work on the farm. Uh, you know, we didn't go to church with our mom. We, it was Those were busy times for us. And he and yesterday morning I made a point to go before anybody else was there and had a very frank conversation and he can only speak one word or put two words together and I I asked him I said Dave have you know are are you ready if something happens to you to meet your maker and he, he shook his head no and I said, then, you know, you can fix that this this morning. And I witnessed the plan of salvation to him. And I said, if you would like to pray and trust Christ and, you know, profess this morning that you believe who he says he is and he did what he said he did, then put your faith and trust in him. You, you could see Dee and your mom, that's his son that just, my stepbrother just passed away I said you could see them immediately and and he said can't talk can't pray you know he's having trouble speaking and I said then I'm going to pray and you in your heart and mind repeat after me and he nodded his head and I prayed and I said did you ask Christ to forgive you and to come into your heart after I had prayed and he said Yes. And um, the confirmation, he had big tears well up. You know, repentance always creates tears in one's heart and mind. And I said, um, you now can with comfort know if something happens to you in the next few days that you'll get to see Dee and your mom again. And here's what confirmed it to me. He said, and, and dad. <laughs> Hallelujah is right. So, I'm going to be angry if he beats me. My nanny Brammer's prayers was answered. She went 40 or 50 years and never missed a Sunday if she had to walk in the snow to church. And I can only imagine her shouting yesterday morning. I'm going to pick up this morning in Romans where Michael left off uh, last week, beginning with Romans 15, um, verses 14 through 24. We'll have a... Uh, couple more weeks in the book of Romans. Um, I think I had Michael send me his this week. I think that will be 40 total messages. Excuse me. You uh, are probably tired of the book of Romans, but uh, these messages actually began um, the Sunday after Easter. Last, last year, you know, this past Easter. So let's read um, Romans 15, verses 14 through 24. 
The Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Rome in this letter says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness. Well, I I hope somebody says that about Big Branch Church someday. Filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you. It's like he's apologizing here. On some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things that which pertain to God, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in the mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about to Elicrim I have fully preached the gospel of Christ and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, and he's quoting Isaiah, to whom he has not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. This message is simply Paul's ministry. He's laid it out to the Gentiles. It's kind of odd. Paul has left all the doctrinal sections of the book of Romans and has picked up a personal note here um, of his ministry to the, to the church in Rome to, where he's ministered to the Gentiles. And we, you know, it's hard for us maybe to understand that, but the church was made up of, of those Jews in Jerusalem that were saved on the day of Pentecost, thousands. And, and were baptized, and, and now he is writing this to a group of Gentiles that, and, and Jews that are in Rome, and unless we understand what he says in this passage, we cannot fully appreciate the message of grace. Um, Paul knew little of grace, uh, and when he was Saul of Tarsus, um, he, he was persecuting the church uh, and trying to destroy it. Uh, and, and then he met Christ on the road to Damascus um, in, in Acts 9, and he experienced the grace of God, the forgiveness for what he had done and his persecution of the church. And it was God's grace that saved him. It was God's grace that called him to preach. And it was God's grace that made him an apostle. And man, that, that, that within itself is enough to shout amen. You know, somebody, I don't know that somebody that was persecuting this church and somebody that was trying to destroy Big Branch Church 
if I could turn around and call them, you know, to, you know, accept them in to the fold, call them, but he, he gives an explanation here that it was the Holy Spirit that did that work in him. And so the, it, it, it's just... It's just amazing. Everything was received by grace, and oh, how that ought to resonate with us as Christians in this day and age. Uh, but when you look at his ministry, he gives us a beautiful outline here of what ministry ought to look like in these 11 verses. He gave this letter to the Romans so that every Christian would have the essentials. To, of understanding and to be well-grounded believers in the faith by the doctrine that he had preached up until now. And then he gives us an outline here of what ministry for us and them ought to look like. And I encourage each of you to, to go back um, from time to time and listen to these messages, and, and when you have questions about doctrinal issues, just pick out what it is and go back and listen to them. And if you've missed any of these messages, you ought to go and listen to them. Um, as long as there's electric and an Internet, they're stored uh, on, on uh, uh, Sermon Audio, and, and most of them are on Facebook. And, and you know, I, I told Michael... He and I need to publish a book with these so that we can hand them to people whenever they have doctrinal thoughts of, of what something really is because Paul has covered all that in this church and now he gives this personal note about what you ought to be doing and how you ought to be doing. And I want you to notice that, you know, his exact words. He says, because of grace given to me by God. Think about that. He had to have guilt and shame about his persecution of the church. And he had a real understanding of what grace was because God has now called him to preach and he's ministering to a group of people that the other disciples were in the comfort zone with ministering to the Jews and yet Paul's taking now the gospel to the entire rest of the Gentile world. And... He's ministering, he says, for because of the grace given to me that I might be minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Doing what? Ministering the gospel of God. Wow. The insight into ministry needs certain that he gives us here needs to be our pattern. Our main focus should always be centered on the gospel of Christ and the grace of God. And whenever we deviate from the gospel of Christ and, and, and the grace of God, in my opinion, we've just quit ministering, period. It's, it's, it's that simple. And the type of ministry Paul is describing simply adds dignity and responsibility to our service that, that we as Christians are involved in. I want you to note here, he also identifies, just a caveat to, to the, what ministry ought to look, a, a triune God. And, and he, he was a minister of Christ, he preached the gospel of God, and he served in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
wow, it doesn't get much, you know, plainer than that. I, I mean, it's, it's not my belief I'm speaking about, nor, nor did I make up. I'm just reading it directly from Paul's word, uh, God's word, to, and to those that deny the truth of the Trinity, uh, read that yourself and make anything else out of it that you can try to make out of it. Because he, he's very point blank clear. And, and I could, uh, you know, uh, I want you to also notice in, in those words that he says that one is sanctified in verse 16. How, Paul? How is one's by the Holy Spirit of God? If your life is going to change, if you're going to see a setting apart, uh, you're, you're going to see uh, just a life change. You know, sin begin, begin to drop its change on you. It's going to be by the Holy Spirit of God working through you. He, he, he's not defining some self-determination or self-help, and, and I could elaborate on that, but once again, it's pretty self-explanatory, needs little explanation that, you know, your prayer of the morning it ought to be when you get out of bed after your devotion, um, dear God, help me today to, to live uh, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, to be a better example of what Christ looks like in my life, and and I'll promise you the Holy Spirit of God will work in your life and help you to change from day to day. You're not, you, you're not saved perfection. It, life is, is a constant change and we all grow. Um, that's why it's called progressive sanctification. It's day by day by day. And, and, and I don't care who you are sitting here this morning, you have not arrived and neither have I. And so um, he, he makes that clear. But the first thing that he note, explains to us is that his ministry was centered on grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ that was given to him by God. And the second thing that he says that, well, I, I want to read it to you. Not my words, and, and I'm going to read it to you in, in the NIV, was his ministry was done for God's glory. And, and this is about as plain of English as you can get it. He says, therefore, I glory in Jesus Christ in my service to God. In the day that we live in of mega churches and ultra ego celebrity pastors and in, in which I, I think Paul would be considered if he was alive today. Uh, I, I'm sure that that would be the case. Um, but what he's really saying is, it's not I but Christ. And I've made that my theme in life, um, realizing that if anything happens that somebody wants to attribute to me, it's not I but Christ. And it's just amazing. The word translated glory clarifies or, or, or somewhat carries the idea of, of boasting or to take pride in. And Paul used it six other times in, in the book of Romans. Paul was not bragging about his ministry. 
He was simply stating and praising what God had done um, through him and make it known. He did not serve. uh, He did not suffer just to make a name for himself. And if, if we could get that across to everybody serving God in all positions um, in the church today, what a difference it would make. Um, wow. Uh, he was striving simply to preach the gospel and win the lost to Christ, and that brought glory to God, not to the Apostle Paul. Um, uh, what an example uh, in today's world of what ministry is and should be. Uh, with all the success that we see, oh, that we might like Paul say, as he did in, in Corinthians or, or maybe it's in Colossians, I think it's in Colossians chapter 1, that in all things Christ might have the preeminence. All things. And, uh, this, you know, whether it, whatever our decisions it is, whatever the things that we do, whatever the things that are accomplished, that he might be the one, Paul was saying, that would receive the praise. His ministry was centered around the gospel. His ministry was done for the glory of God. And uh, then he comes to this next point that his ministry was done by the Holy Spirit or in God's power. Paul tells us here that the Holy Spirit empowered him to minister. It is said that the great Billy Sunday, I don't know if you read a lot of history of great evangelists and preachers, I do. It's one of my pet peeves. I love to read what what makes people great. But it is said that the great evangelist Billy Sunday, he was a baseball player and, and he couldn't see well. But he, he had no sermon notes. I, I have sermon notes. Leo Edwards used to get on me all the time. You need to throw that, that thing away and just preach from your heart. And I'm like, it is my heart. I put it on paper before I stood up here. And <laughs> otherwise, you're going to hear a bunch of war stories, you know. It's, things that, uh, it's just going to be repetition over and over and over. But it's, it's said that the great evangelist Billy Sunday had one sheet of paper, and it was always his ministry notes. And it was a quote that he had put on paper from Zechariah 4.6. And in these big bold letters so that he could see it because he had used a magnifying glass um, and, and, and eyeglasses that, that to, in order to read the scripture. And, and it says, not by might, not by power. But by my spirit, saith the Lord. And Billy Sunday would run back and forth as he was preaching. And those words would be on that paper and to remind him that it wasn't him that was preaching. It was the Holy Spirit that was reaching folks through him under the power of God on his life. And he would memorize his scripture. He would memorize his message and would simply be able to see those words, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, as he run back and forth across in front of his his pulpit whenever he was speaking. It was the Holy Spirit that empowered the greats of the past, and it's the Holy Spirit that empowered Paul. He speaks here that he done signs and wonders and miracles. And, And by the way, 
Paul had the qualifications. There's multiple qualifications that would allow someone to be called an apostle or a disciple. One was they had to be, to be with Jesus personally. Paul was. He met him on the road to Damascus. The second was that they did signs and wonders and miracles they were to perform. And Paul has that qualification. And so, you know, he, that, that identified him as an apostle. And the, the, these miracles and signs and wonders, they were really to authenticate the message and the messenger. Um, it, it, it wasn't, you know, something that they could glory in performing miracles. And, and, and so we have to realize Paul and the disciples in that day, Peter didn't have a New Testament when he preached on the day of Pentecost. You know, 5,000 people got saved. Paul did not, he makes a statement here that I'll get to in a minute. He didn't have the, the same benefit that we have of the four gospels and the epistles that was written. He was writing them. And so the thing that, that authenticated them was the fact that that, you know, not the gospel, the, the presentation, it was these miracles. And please note, these miracles did not save the lost. They were simply an authentication of who these men was. Never did a miracle and never will a miracle. It is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. And so... And, and it was the gospel of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection that they had witnessed, that they were taking to these individuals and, and leading them to the Savior. And so, oh, I believe way too much ministry is, is tried to be done in the flesh. Uh, there's never a time, and, I, and I, my hand won't reach my back. I can't get my arm up that high. But there's never a time that, that the prayer before going to witness to someone or before going into someone's house, knowing that they're lost and, and in need of a Savior, that the, the prayer is not, Holy Spirit, go before us and soften the heart and speak to and through them. These individuals that were, you know, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Paul was empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers those great evangelists. You ought to read some of their stories. Uh, Billy Sunday, D.L. Moody, Billy Graham, probably the greatest evangelist ever to live. More people saved under his ministry than any other person ever living. It's the Holy Spirit of God that... It's said that Billy Graham went out and sat on a stump because he was troubled over the fact was the was this Bible that I hold in my hand, the Word of Living God, inspired, and and he felt the Spirit of God move on him like never before, and it changed his ministry. There's a story and 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 a and a drawing that's been passed down through the years of the great Savonarola sitting on a pulpit in a trance before he spoke with an auditorium full of people waiting for the Holy Spirit to move upon his life so that he could preach to that crowd. And, and it is the Holy Spirit 
that empowers. Uh, uh, if, if we are to see people continually to be saved in this church, it's going to be because of the Holy Spirit moving in this place. Two things folks tell me when we visit them about that have visited this church. I felt loved and I felt the Holy Spirit of God moving in that place. Glory to God, that's enough for me. If they don't ever feel anything else, they feel the Spirit of God. That's enough for me. And I'm not talking about hooping and hollering and speaking in tongues and running up and down the aisles. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit of God convicting and speaking to the hearts through one message that touches everybody's heart and mind. Signs and wonders were special apostolic gifts to authenticate them and their message. And this does not mean that God is, is not still performing miracles today. But I do not believe personally in faith healers. I believe in a faith healing God that can do the impossible. I also believe the changes that are wrought in, in the conduct and character of individuals today are just as much miracle and signs and wonders of Paul's day. Uh, I, I believe, and I could use many of you, but because I know some of the life stories, I believe Kyle Newman is a miracle of God. If you knew his past, and to see him over here in a Sunday school class teaching on Sunday morning, that's a miracle of God. We prayed for a miracle. Larry Estep is a miracle of God that, that this church prayed for. He would go to our CRA camps. He's not here this morning, so I can talk. He'd go to our CRA camps just to be involved, unsaved. And, and Dan and, and Kevin and, and Michael and Perry prayed that man, really, in, into receiving Christ. That's a miracle. And the change that's wrought in individuals' lives sitting in this room is a miracle of God just as much as what was happening in Paul in those days. Um, <laughs> when, when grown men like Blair and, and Shannon sat here in tears and raised their hand and, and put their faith and trust in Christ in these services, that is the Holy Spirit of God moving in their hearts and minds. That's a miracle of God. And when he calls this past Tuesday and said, I want to get baptized tomorrow. Can we do that? I don't want to wait any longer. That's because he was afraid I was going to do him like I did that Sunday morning. Just blow him off and never talk to him again. You know, but it, 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 that's a miracle, you know, that that, that happens. We, we take for granted. I've never been a part of a church where people call and say they want to get baptized on a Wednesday evening in a service. Never, I've never seen it on that fashion before. Uh, uh, It's a miracle, you know. And and we need to not take it for granted what, what God does in our midst. That's the Holy Spirit, not I but Christ. And, and we need to recognize that. And none of this This building, this place, what happens here is any one person. This is a people with a mind to work that will simply follow Christ and and have faith and be willing to allow God to use them. 
to give, to serve, and, and pray. Wow. Uh, that are willing to follow God's leading and then get out of his way. Uh, man, and give him all the glory. What's happened here in the last few years is just unbelievable. I told a pastor friend the other day, I said, you know, before COVID, we went almost three years with, and without missing a Sunday of someone being saved, baptized, or, or becoming an owner or member of this church. And, and they look at me like I'm lying. I said, and I'll tell you something else. I'm living for the day that it happens again. Uh, I believe it can and it will, and it is what God is doing in our midst. Paul gives us a clear outline that his ministry was surrounded by the gospel, centered on the gospel and grace. His ministry was not done as a big I and little you. It was all done for God's glory. His ministry was done in the power of the Holy Spirit. And last concluding, his ministry was according to God's will or God's plan. You, you look at what he says. He said, God had a special plan for me, for me to follow. He was not to preach where any other apostle had ministered. Now that's tough. We, we, we have it kind of easy. We live in a Bible belt. There's very few doors or, or times I go to a hospital or, or we would go out to visit that folks had not heard of the church. They had not heard of... Jesus, we, we live somewhat now in a godless society where kids is, we, we, Michael hears all the time that kids don't have a church. They never attended church at, at FCA. But that didn't used to be the case. You know, kid, when you mentioned, we had an adult lady personal friend. I grew up right next door to her. Was talking about Jonah and the whale one time and she said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Never heard the Bible stories. We live in that society now. But by and large, everybody in this area has attended church. Most of them, of, 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 of at least the majority of our ages, they know who Jesus is. They may have never put their faith in trust. But Paul was ministering to folks that didn't know anything about the gospel of Christ or Jesus. In fact, who did they worship? They worshiped Greek gods. He's in a hard place to win people. Uh, I mean, this is, when, when you read this, and, and what he is preaching and teaching to these people in Rome that he was ministered to, it, it, it gives evidence that, that Paul established the church in Rome, by the way, too, and not Peter. And, and he was taking the gospel into new virgin territory. And it's amazing, the vast opportunity, you know, of, 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 of these other parts of the empire he, he, he quotes there to go from as far east and he wants to have a desire to go to Spain. That's one end to the other. Wow. You think about the travel restrictions and times in that day. You know, 
how, what, what, that, what that encompassed. And, and I, I just find it amazing that he stated, no more place to minister in these or those parts. You think about the entire Roman Empire and what that statement says. I don't think that that was embellishing. I think what it was that it that maybe he didn't witness to every person, but I do think it means that he personally witnessed to as many people as he could, and he left witnessing churches um, and Christians to carry on the work throughout the empire. It, it's 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 amazing what really this passage of Scripture leads us to understand and to believe. What a legacy that he had left behind. What, what an encouragement. And, and I just simply believe he had taken the gospel and, and spread it completely across the Roman Empire. Wow. I, I hope it's said of us. I hope it's said of me that we spread the gospel throughout all of Chesapeake through our Judea, that, that there was no one that did not know or had not at least heard about Jesus Christ. What, what a legacy that would be. If, and he even states, I finished, I've kept the faith, I finished my course. I've run the race. What's he saying? I did what I'm supposed to do according to the will of God. Have you done what you're supposed to do according to the will of God? Are you, are, are, are you, you know, we, we make light of, of what really our, our role in spreading the gospel is. We are personally to be witnesses. It's it's not the responsibility of this pastor or, or, or someone else to be a witness to your neighbor, your friends, and your family. That's your responsibility. That Bible in Matthew 28, the Great Commission says, go into all the world and preach the God. That wasn't written to just preachers. That was written to everyone. That we are to be a witness. We ought to be leading our families, our friends, our children, especially our children, to Christ. It ought not startle us that our kids get it. That they understand. What an outline in these verses that for us to follow in ministry Focus on the gospel. Realize that we're to do everything for the glory of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. And according to the will of God, we are to finish our course, our job. Wow. How that should be our testimony. How that should be what they say about Big Branch Church. I I don't know about them. But them bunch of nuts, all they do is preach about Jesus. I, 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 I don't want to 
come across as sarcastic or criticized. But you go to events where churches is involved, and, and there's nothing wrong, but they're passing out water and trinkets and all this different stuff. And, and maybe that's just a calling card to get folks in. You, I understand that you can't reach them until you... You can't teach them until you reach them. But I want to be guilty of passing out Jesus, gospel tracts, witnessing. It's said of the the great Carl Hatch, one of the best soul winners I ever met. Doc Hudson, a pastor who used to come to our church, he's founded a huge church in Atlanta, Georgia, and Carl was just a businessman in his church. And Doc said he'd arrived back in Atlanta one day and he he seen Carl going in and out of the bathrooms. He said he even started in a woman's restroom and they had to stop him. And he said, I I couldn't figure out what he was doing. He said, so I, I snuck up and, you know, how... Like ours, Walmart bathrooms, I call them, where they're open, no doors. He said, I snuck up to where I could look around the corner and he went in a bathroom and he had a handful of gospel tracts. And he'd walk up and lay one on a urinal and lay it on, when people were standing there, just reach in beside him and lay it on the urinal. (laughs) And said he'd walk up to the stalls where the men were sitting and throw it underneath the stall and say, read that while you're not doing anything else in there. goodness what's his crown going to look like when he gets to heaven centered around the gospel centered around the gospel I can't make enough of the fact we worry about a whole lot of stuff that really doesn't amount to the hill of beans. We worry about people's health when we ought to worry about their soul. We worry about all the intricacies of what the church ought to be looking like and how it ought to be acting when we ought to be worried about are we preaching the gospel as individuals to our friends and family, our relatives? Let's stand.